Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. I want to speak today about three ways to respond to a time of change. Three ways to respond to a time of change. Because there are big moments of change in life, aren't there? Things where everything stops. Foundational things change. People leave. New things start. And what happens next depends on how we respond to the things that are changing. Today we hear all the news that David has just uh, unpacked to us, that Joy is leaving uh, as vicar and leader of uh, New Hope Congregation. Pete is leaving uh, after being our worship pastor for uh, five years. And I stand here, slightly less significantly, but I stand here after 15 uh, years as a member of this church family, called now to a new place, to a new ministry. Uh, This time I'm going to be a curate uh, up at HTB in London. But new people are arriving too, Joe, Abby and Debs, uh, to work on the staff team. Lockdown has changed church just a little bit, hasn't it? We're still trying to see what it looks like as things ease, how church fits into our life. What do we do as we gather? There's so much uncertainty in so many ways. But this is a critical time for us as people of God. So how do we respond? So three ways to respond to a time of change. Number one, rejoice and celebrate all that has been. I was looking on Facebook uh, earlier this week And a notification popped up and it said, would you like to invite more people to be part of your group? And I thought, I don't have a group. What group are they talking about? I have not set up a group. Turns out I have. About 14 years ago, when Facebook was just sort of starting out, and I started up a group called the Greyfriars Drinking Club. It's not, I mean, it's probably not quite the image that we're going for, but I was young, uh, and uh, it was a season, you know, it was a time. But there were so many memories as I looked at this, because it was a group that I set up for people in their kind of 20s and 30s who were meeting uh, over at the Hope Tap after the evening service. Uh, all of those are now in their 40s and 50s, but uh, there was nobody left in this group, but all of the memories were still there. There was a whole conversation about a guy called Chris who I remember discovered that the burgers were £4.99, but you could buy an extra patty for like 50p. So he got eight and managed to eat an eight-stack burger all in one evening. And there was another time uh, that our now church warden, Harvey, and I uh, planned a trip to Africa on a big red bus. We'd got this huge plan to buy this double-decker and do what is rather a dangerous version of Cliff Richard's summer holiday uh, and travel uh, to North... It never happened. Uh, You would not be surprised to hear. But it got me thinking in that time. It got me thinking in that moment of all that has been, all that I have seen 
and done and been involved with and served alongside over 15 years as this church family and so many of you have been part of that. I led worship here for five years singing uh, alongside a beautiful woman who became my wife in fact. Uh, I've seen people come to faith on alpha courses that I've been involved in and, and led. I've seen lives transformed by the power of the Spirit. People meet powerfully with God uh, in these services and form lasting community. Served on PCCs, seen uh, vicars come and go and staff team and all the things that I've been involved in and all the things that many of you have been involved in. It's a huge part of our life. And as I look back now, it's easy to lament all that I've lost, all that has been, or even to think of some of the things I've not achieved, some of the people who I haven't managed to uh, introduce to Jesus, the the plans and the schemes that I uh, would have liked to have completed in this church. But in Acts, we read of a church at a similar time of change. You see, the church in Acts that we read about today is in this moment where they'd been on mission to Jerusalem. The church was a church in Jerusalem for that place. And Luke, in writing, is using this moment as a sort of interlude in that. A moment to introduce over the coming passages a a, a series of events that will trigger the local mission to come to an end and begin a new phase of mission beyond that holy city. But the passage begins, I would say notably, by establishing that what has been was good. Verse 1, the number of disciples was increasing. Their mode and operation, uh, of the way they operated as a church, which had been core to them, that of being a gathered church for Jerusalem, having everything in common, as we read in Acts 2, all together giving to everyone who had need in their community, that had seen the people of God grow in number and seen God powerfully at work. God had done great things through what had been. And now is a time of change, a time to focus, however, not on what is being lost, but on all that God has done. Not on what is being lost, but on what all that God has done. Because number one, begin with praise. Number two, embrace the future. Now, we read in this passage that moaning and difficulty had broken out in the early church. As the priorities of the church and its call to mission beyond Jerusalem become apparent, we start to see challenges with that existing way of doing things. But you see, here in Acts, all this grumbling and moaning and holding on to that old way is holding the mission 
of the church back. It had, in fact, potential to completely derail what God was doing through them. They, the believers, the people of God, had the power, by holding on to the past, to stop the future coming. So as a community, they had to respond well. Because I know what it's like. I mean, I've just thought about all the things that have gone and so much more. When things change, it's so easy to want to hold on to the past. To grip to the security of what God, of what has been. But God is doing a new thing. I mean, for each of us who I've uh, this morning said that we're leaving in, uh, for various different reasons in different ways. I know it's easy for me to worry about what will happen with all that we've done, the people that we've cared for, the things that we've set up, the ways of doing things that we've established. But what we see in the Bible is that God calls people for such a time as this. He gifts each of us to do the work, to share, to lead in both the place and the moment. It's true for all of us here. And then so often he does a new thing. Verse 2 says this. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God to wait on tables. It's interesting because they're starting to think about this transition. They'd done, you see, this Acts 1 Ascension Day command of being witnesses in Jerusalem. By the ways that they'd done church, the ways that they lived and been as a community there. And now they're called to the second bit of Jesus' command in Acts 1 to be witnesses in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There's a new purpose. They had to lay down what was past. Now their solution was to appoint some people to look after a specific problem, to allow them to move into that new calling and ministry of God. Different times, different callings, different giftings, different people. God has called uh, each of us, me, Pete and Joy, uh, to a new thing, as we've said today. But as we lay down uh, what has been, our time here, we can trust God for what he's doing in the places that we're going, the places he's calling us to. But also, we can lay it down trusting absolutely in God for what he's doing next at Greyfriars and at New Hope. Right now, I know that you can trust God that he has called each of you here at this moment for this next season to be the people to lead, to work, to bring your gifts in a way that might look totally different to what has been. I'm not saying it will, but it might. 
So what is your part to play in embracing the future? What are you called to do? Well, I believe it's a heart thing. It's a thing of your posture, of your life, is what we're being called to. In Acts, we have the most amazing job description for being part of the work of God. Verse 3 says this, Choose seven men from among you uh, and women. Uh, we Brothers and sisters we've had in the new translation. But it says, Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. In an age of lengthy job person specifications and job descriptions of experience necessary that we live in today, here we get a glimpse of how God chooses people for his work. People full of the spirit and wisdom. End of sentence. That's it. You see, God does not call you and me because we know it all. He calls us because we know him. To put it another way, God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. God is looking in you and in me at a time particularly of change for a heart that is open to his purposes. A heart that says yes to him. A heart that holds his purposes over our own fears, worries, desires, ideas. That holds his purposes first. A little quick story, if, I'll, can you, if you can indulge me. Three years ago, I had a great job that I absolutely loved. I was working at the BBC. I'd done jobs in broadcasting like that for 20 years. Absolutely loved it. I'd, uh, well, as a family, we'd just moved house. We'd got a great house that we loved. We'd just renovated it, extended it. Uh, we'd got neighbours that were the best neighbours we'd literally ever had. So good, great neighbours. The kids, five minutes walk for an amazing school. Life was good. And I was able, uh, through the blessing of God, to be able to serve him in so many ways alongside that work. I could be part of this community serving here and outside of here as well. Alongside the comfortable life that I had chosen. I'd got it all in many ways. And I didn't want that to change. But people kept asking me when I was going to be ordained, when I was going to become a vicar, when I was going to work for the church. And do you know what my answer was? Absolutely never. It's never going to happen. You see, I grew up in a vicarage. My dad was a vicar. And I had seen, and you might find this surprising, that not everything about being a vicar is great. There's a huge privilege of walking alongside people at significant moments in their life. Seeing God work powerfully through people's lives. Being part of an amazing church community such as this. But there are some real challenges. I'd seen 
growing up, grumbling and moaning and personal difficulty from the church. Nothing's changed from 2,000 years ago in many ways. Never quite being settled in one place that sort of we might move at any moment, constantly uprooting the family. The pay's not brilliant, let's be honest. The list goes on. And I didn't want that for myself or for my family. And then one day I sat down in prayer And God spoke powerfully to me through a particular passage of scripture. He said to me this, he said, John, you've got everything you want in life, but are you willing to give all of that up for me? And I knew I had two options. I either had to say that everything I knew about God was basically nonsense, or I had to say yes to a God who I knew was faithful. So I said yes. And I stepped into ordination discernment. I had no idea where it was going to take me other than all the things that might be bad about it. But he has been faithful. Amazingly, I've twice faced times when I should have moved away from that amazing house that we live in. And yet we're still there with those wonderful neighbours. I've faced opposition. And yet I've seen the fruit of God at work. I've stepped blindly into this calling and next month head to an amazing year at HTB in preparation, in fact, for planting a resource church. If I had held on to the safety of what I knew, none of what God had planned for me would have happened. So don't hold on to the past. Don't hold on to what is comfortable. Don't hold on to our own tiny visions for life. God is far more faithful than that. So that's number two. Embrace the future. And number three is exactly what I've just said. It is trust in God's faithfulness verse 7 the end of what we've read today says this so the word of God spread the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly God proved his faithfulness that even when things changed the people continued to grow even more than they had under the old way. In fact, none of us would be here today worshipping if they hadn't embraced change and gone beyond Jerusalem. But what we see is that God was faithful even in a time of upheaval and uncertainty. They looked to the future and he blessed his people he has used powerfully the time that each of us has been in this church family. And he will continue to be faithful to his people even after all of us, every one of us in this building and everyone at home has long gone. God will be faithful. 
Because in the story of God's people through the ages, we see in the Old Testament that God's faithfulness was in question at almost every moment of change. When a generation passed, when a war was fought, would God show his favour and faithfulness? Well, he did, time and time again, through victory and battle after battle, in the way that he continued a people or kingdom through victories and family lines. The people of God in those days were uncertain. And God's faithfulness had to be shown again and again and again through minor victories. But now, God's faithfulness is shown not through winning the odd battle, but through winning the whole war. In Jesus Christ, God showed his faithfulness by winning forever. He established a kingdom that will never end. One in which its future is in no doubt from generation to generation. The faithfulness of God has been proven forever. We are already living in that certainty of the resurrection and of the life everlasting. So however this time of change makes you feel nervous, I know I am about what's next for me, excited, worried, sad, joyful, we can lean on Jesus and the promise of his faithfulness, not to our plans, but to his people, to his church to celebrate what God has done. Embrace the future and trust in God's faithfulness. Because no matter what happens, what comes next, when change, what changes or doesn't, the good or the bad, we have a promise that great things are coming. But for right now, my prayer for the church in Reading is this, as in verse 7. That the number of disciples in Reading increases rapidly. That the number of disciples in Reading increases rapidly rapidly because great is his faithfulness Amen